0: League of Women Voters and the Recording Library of West Texas present Tall City Elections. Welcome to Tall City Elections. I'm Bailey Hinnis, Executive Director at the Recording Library of West Texas, and your host for Tall City Elections. I am a five foot eight female in my early thirties, red hair, the kind from a box. It's not natural. And I am wearing black slacks today and a white cardigan that has black stripes all over and a red shirt underneath that. And I am joined in the studio with John Trischetti. Hey neighbor. Hey, how are you?
1: Thanks <laughs> for having me.
0: John and I work in the, in Midland shared spaces. So we see each other all the time in the break room, in the hallway. So good to have you in studio, John. Good.
1: Thanks for having me. I am, I am bald. So that was easy. <laughs> red sweater with blue slacks and brown loafers.
0: And that is an example of audio descriptions that we do for our clients just so those who are listening who are visually impaired can kind of formulate um in their in their minds who their the voices put the voices with uh with uh awesome. a picture. It. Yeah. It's something that we enjoy doing and it's just another way that uh inclusiveness for our listeners and uh those who are blind and print impaired here in Midland, Texas. So John, you are running for reelect district five Midland Independent School District Board.
1: Yes, ma'am. Currently, the District Five uh, trustee, uh, sir, looking served one term and looking to serve one more.
0: So how how things been since it was 2019? When yeah, you-
1: so I ran in 2018 and uh-huh. swore in January of 2019. Okay. Yeah, the last four years, as as people think back, have been pretty crazy. I mean, we've and one of the reasons I'm running, you know, we've spent a lot of time with COVID and. We hired a superintendent, and then now she has left, and so um, I want to be a part of kind of finishing some of the things that I started. I ran for early literacy and education initiative. That's my background, and so I want to see some of that through, and I like where we are as a district. We're on a positive trajectory, and I want to continue to be a part of that process and maybe address some of the other issues. You know, I'm passionate about Robin Hood. Um, which is an issue that you know people may hear in our community, oh, what does that mean and, and not really understand, but the the crux of it is is that it's a it 's a state funding mechanism that um, takes from property rich districts and that goes to Austin and then that money is redistributed and we pay a what I would argue is a disproportionate amount last year we spent a sent one hundred and fifty million dollars to Austin a third of our budget. And I just believe that local tax dollars should stay local and support local kids. I think that if we – if a third of your city taxes were leaving this community and your your trash wasn't getting picked up and your sewer wasn't running, that you'd be sharpening the pitch for Stormont City Hall. But there's this kind of – lack of awareness or understanding about what um, Robin Hood really is. And so while it's something the school board can't actually take action to do, we need to be much more um, active about advocacy and raising awareness and working with our legislatures in Austin. So anyway, those are some of the reasons that I feel pretty passionate about running one more time.
0: So that's on the forefront of of something that you really would like to do in the next couple of for years. For sure.
1: Educational outcomes for students is always the top priority. Mm-hmm. That's number one. I'm a father of children. I have five. Two have already graduated from Midland ISD, and I still have three in the system. And so not just for my kids but for all kids, we want positive educational outcomes. We know that kids that have education tend to just do better in life. There's more opportunity. So that's the number one. Robin Hood is certainly on my list. And then we have facilities needs. And and you know, regardless of how you feel about a bond, you know, the last bond in twenty nineteen failed, but we have serious um facility issues that need to be addressed in our community and for our schools and for our students. And so we've got to figure out a way. Um our community has said clearly that they're not going to vote for a three quarters of a billion dollar bond and settle our community with that debt over the next thirty years. But um we've got to figure out a way what's manageable how do we begin to have that conversation with the community that we can get a bond passed and i would just say as a side note that's one of the reasons i'm passionate about robin hood if we were keeping half of those dollars we'd be paying cash for schools for the next 5 to 10 years and would not be even talking and discussing a bond so but we we have to do something to address the facilities needs, you know, there's capacity issues specifically at the secondary campus. We cannot vertically align academically like we need to. Ninth graders need to be on the high school campuses for academics. Sixth graders need to be off the elementary campuses and on middle schools for, for vertical alignment academically. So we talk a lot about extracurriculars when you talk about vertical alignment and, and getting those kids on campuses. But, um, it's also important for the academics as well.
0: So they're currently not where they need to be as far as grade level.
1: That's correct. Okay. Yeah, Ninth graders are still at ninth grade campuses. They're not at the high school. So there's a lot of busing for athletics mm-hmm. and choir and band and all the other extracurricular activities. And then sixth graders in our community are still on elementary school campuses. And we're in the vast minority for the state now. Most schools have converted to a middle school model where it's sixth, seventh, eighth, and then nine through twelfth.
0: So does your plan include building a facility for those students yeah're I mean, transitioning if build, out of yes, that grade if we build okay. a new
1: if we can build a new new high schools you know that would be my focus is a new Midland high and a new legacy much larger so you can accommodate the the nine through twelve students right now even if you wanted to do it I mean you don't have you barely have the capacity to have 10 through 12 on those two campuses I mean the oldest parts of Midland High are a hundred years old that are still in use Um and so, there's certainly uh, any number of issues when it comes to facilities in our community. Our schools are, are safe, you know. I send my kids. We want to know that our students are safe and that teachers have a safe work environment. And so, um, you know, our, we're doing our best to uh, to make sure that there is a secure environment. But you know, facilities—it's been you know not in your lifetime that uh, that this community has built a new secondary school.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you see a bond for a new facility like that happening in the next five years, maybe?
1: I would argue that it's going to need to. Yeah, I think the priority for this new board is going to be hiring a superintendent. You have to have a leader. And then, yeah, I think that the that it's an important – all of the elections are important, but I would argue that this school board election is probably the most important of the last 20 years because this next board that seats after the November 8th election is going to decide the next superintendent of schools and potentially a school bond. And so I can see that happening in the next four years, certainly.
0: Yeah, that that's pretty big items on the docket. Yeah, how's that going in the hunt for the superintendent?
1: They started the process. You know, we have a the same um, group that helped us find Dr. Ramsey two years ago uh, is is beginning that work again, and so. The goal is is to kinda of have that first phase done so after the election when the new board seats they can really hit the ground running and, and begin to vet those candidates and get someone. I heard, hopefully by July by January one in the new in the new calendar year that someone could come on and, and, and be here.
0: Excellent. And John, I know that you're passionate about literacy. Give us a little bit of your background when it comes to your passion. Mm-hmm.
1: Sure. So I spent most of my adult life – so currently I'm the executive director of the Literacy Coalition of the Permian Basin, but uh, prior to that spent uh, many years in public libraries. I was a public library director um, for Midland. Uh, I was the Midland County Public Library for uh, not quite ten years, and then uh, had re- got my master's at North Texas, and had begun my library work in the Dallas area. But I'm a Lug- Lubbock native, and so coming back to West Texas to Midland um, at the time was was really good. And we had it, we had a great run. The the Midland County Public Libraries I still would argue are some of the best library facilities and best library services you can get. But I started as a children's librarian. Um, it's always kind of been my, my passion, early childhood literacy. I think because it was so impactful for me. Um, I, I, uh, came from a single parent household. My mother did the best she could, but there were a lot of, uh, struggles there. And, um, literacy really was the kind of the path forward for me, at least to kind of break that harsh social cycle. That people can find themselves in. And so I am a believer that literacy and education really is a tool that people can use. You know, I grew up on government assistance and Section 8 housing and food stamps. And, um, you know, I've seen it firsthand. I've lived it. And, it, and it's hard to kind of talk about the impact that education can have when people are worried about keeping the heat on or keeping food on the table. But it really was transformative for me, and so that's why I've, I feel you know pretty passionate about what I do, both you know in the library um, and now with this nonprofit and the school board. Um, I feel sure. like that's why I was a good fit for that position because I do it professionally and personally. I'm vested, but regardless of what happens on November 8th, I'm gonna wake up November 9th still vested in education in this community because right. it's what I do for a living. And so, but that's a little bit about my background of how I spent a, I spent a lot of time in detention um, in in my younger years, but detention was in the library. Mm-hmm. And so I had a librarian take an interest in me early on and kind of really set me on a path and said, you know, you can do better. And I, I don't know that anyone had ever told me I could. I didn't know that that was an option. And so through education, uh, was able to kind of transform uh, my life and, and break that cycle for my
0: children. Excellent. Were you a part of the decision-making process for the new library? By Best
1: yes, Buy? yes, that was a very me. Nice So facility. I came on, thank you, yeah, we've, it's very, it's still, I would argue, one of the premier public library spaces in Texas. Yeah, I came in 2011, and so we opened that in 2013, 2014. Um, was really a confluence of, of a lot of great things, um, had a really strong commissioner's court and county judge. Judge Mike Bradford gets a lot of credit for that, really steering that. But oil was $120 a barrel, and they had a significant fund balance and so could do that kind of big lift without uh, going out for a bond or having a direct taxable effect for the taxpayers. It was just kind of a return of of assets to the community. And so – I mean, and now you know we look back, and everyone's like, "Oh, yeah, it's great." But at the time, it was pretty—it was, you know, outside the box thinking. We got a lot of a lot of pushback about you know building a investing those kinds of dollars in a public library in a community of our size. But I think that it's shown it's paid dividends, and I don't think you could get rid of it now if you wanted to. I think the community has really bought into mm-hmm. it as a community space.
0: So you would agree that that was a good decision that the city made? Absolutely, Absolutely.
1: county, but yes, county, yeah. county. It's a county library, yes.
0: Um, so you you had a personal experience with literacy, someone who just took the time to invest in you, and so you want to transpose that into children at MISD. So how how do you bring literacy to MISD?
1: We focus on kindergarten readiness. We've got to be more focused on that because those kids, once they start, if, they, if they're behind, it's really a struggle for them to catch up. And we know that third grade is kind of a demarcation line for that. If, if kids exit third grade not on reading level, three out of four won't catch up before graduation. And then you're more prone for... Um, you know, dropout and, and other kind of issues. And so we really want to make that a focus. Our district's done a really great job under Dr. Ramsey's leadership. She had a background in, in education and literacy, which I always valued. We have literacy specialists on every campus now, really trying to put the emphasis on that work. Mm. We know that the data shows us that if, if they're on grade level and they have the reading skills, The other coursework comes up. You know, there's there's reading in math. There's reading in social studies. And so those types of things really do pay dividends across the board. And so um, I want to continue to make sure that we make that a focus as we continue to try to turn this large aircraft carrier that is public education in our community and continue to have some – Positive outcomes. I feel like that we're trending in the right direction. We have fewer DNF schools than we've ever had and we have more A rated schools than we've had in a long time. So I think that but we have work to do still. We have we we have a ways to go. There's still some work to be done.
0: Can you talk more about the literacy individuals that are in the schools now? What'd you call them? Literacy Literacy
1: interventionists is what their official titles are, yeah. So one of the the commitments that Dr. Ramsey made was we're gonna make that a focal point and so they created positions to go and find individuals that really focus on that not just student by student that those needs but even more globally for the campus you know making sure that that's a priority and that everyone is understanding and showing how that that all of those things tie together when it comes to literacy when it comes to standardized testing regular coursework how it's seen across the how you vertically align that across all the subjects, and so um, I feel like that that's been a really good hire and something that I would support in the future for sure,
0: and how long has that been in the school system
1: uh, this is its second or third I think the first mm-hmm. ones maybe started two school years ago, but last year I think they got all the positions filled, and then so this wow. would be there yeah so it's fair it's fairly new, but I feel like it's paying dividends and I think that budgets reflect values. I think where we put our dollar, um, and being good steward of the tax dollar, we want good education and have a good return on investment. And so I feel like that's, that's money well spent if we're focusing on literacy.
0: And is that something that the teachers kind of uh, segue into? Like, do they help the students find, get connected with those? Yes. Yeah, so advocates? they're on the and,
1: campus. Yeah. So you may identify that there's a, a student that is behind and needs some more one on one or more localized or specific training or um, remediation help. Um and so there's different – I mean I couldn't speak to all the different curriculums or tools that they're using to affect change in those students' lives. But I think that um, we have seen that that kind of work really is um, – you know, the, the progression is great, you know, especially in the younger grades. They're making large leaps, not just incremental leaps. And so you get those students caught back up, air quotes, um, with the rest of the of their peers, and they can – you know we're still a standardized test state, and so you know what's like, your
0: opinion on state i mean assessment? i'm not a huge-
1: I'm not a huge fan of standardized state tests. I feel like we do teach to the test too much. there needs to be some sort of standardized assessment. I acknowledge that that there needs to be um you know kind of a benchmark and a metric to measure success um but I think that standardized state testing has become big business and It just creates an environment that's challenging for teachers, for students. There's all this stress and pressure and the test, the test, the test, the test. And so um, I feel like there's a better way. I don't know that I necessarily have an answer to that Uh, sitting here right now, but I know that you know I see it in my students. Like when it's testing time, those kids are stressed. I mean, I feel like there's a lot going on there. So I understand the need for some standardized testing, but I don't know that I agree 100% with the current state of it.
0: How do you feel about the state of the teachers in our schools right now? Do you um, think
1: they're overworked, underpaid, saints of patient rock stars? Um they're doing the work. We know that the teachers are the ones that are doing the work. It's a difficult industry right now. It's challenging especially in our community even though we have one of the highest starting salaries in the region. Um but it's just you have you're you're there not for the money. You're there because you love the work and you love the kids and so we need to create an environment where kids that that, that teachers want to teach and they want to stay um and you cut down on the on the you know the leaving and work more not just on the recruitment piece but the retention piece and There's a generation of those baby boomers that are retiring, and so how do you refill those? There are more teachers leaving the profession every year that are coming into the profession every year, and so how do you reconcile that? So it's going to be a challenge. Uh, I wouldn't want to be in HR, but same. (laughs) I think think part of that is creating a, a school district culture. That they want to be a part of and that they want to stay in.
0: Do you have any suggestions for retentions of teachers, the good quality teachers we have? Well, now? I think
1: pay for performance is, is – I believe in that model. It works for industry. I believe that it can work in education. Um, you know, you can have a model and you've seen that across the state and other places where they you, you have some incentivizing tools um, in their contracts – and so I, I like that, but I think a lot of it is kind of the culture you create. Do they feel safe? Do they feel supported, not just at the campus level by their principal, but at the central office, even up to the school board? Like do they believe that teachers are supported is, is – you know, because no, no one wants to work somewhere where they don't feel valued and important no matter how much money you're making. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a balance. It's not one, any one thing. I think it's a combination of things.
0: And how do you feel about the safety of our schools?
1: Safety is a challenge. I mean, I send my three kids to school every day and assume that they're coming home safely, you know, but it's a it's an interesting world we live in. We have pretty strong policies and procedures in place in our schools, um, you know, both not just entering and exiting during the school day, but dealing with um, students that may be a challenge from a disciplinary standpoint we have a legal obligation to educate all students, but they're, they you know, maybe they don't learn in that environment. And certainly if you're distracting from the other students in that classroom, that that's not going to work either. And so, um, have to be, you know, aware of that and, and put every student in a, in an environment where they can best learn. And oftentimes those discipline issues are, um, they're something else. It's the sign of something else. And so we need to invest in not just safety resource officers, but counselors. We need to have um, opportunities for students that are struggling to be able to talk to someone and really address whatever the deeper, you know, need may be. Besides just the lashing out in the classroom, what's that really about? And so, um, I, feel, I feel like that uh, again, budgets reflect values, and so we need to be investing some dollars in counselors and, and and safety officers and creating a safe environment for teachers to work in, students to learn in. You know, like I said, I send my kids every day and hoping, knowing that they'll come home safe and that school's a safe environment. Teachers as well want to have a safe environment to work in and we need to do our best to create that environment.
0: Absolutely. And what are some ways that you can, or that the public can get involved in the decision making process?
1: Oh, so right now there's a survey for getting feedback for the next superintendent. Love for you to participate in that. There's always committees to participate in. Um, you know, even something as simple as campus PTA. I mean, the old good old PTA. I yeah. mean, those people are there and doing the work. I'm sure that most schools would not turn away volunteers once you pass the background check and do all the things you know if you want to read to students or help open ketchup packets at lunch or whatever the case may be um, you know there's always opportunities to get involved in in the schools in your neighborhood either your kids schools or if you don't have kids anymore or grandkids in the school they're still you know crossing guards and you know helping with the library and shelving I mean there's any number of making copies for teachers I mean there's a thousand ways to help at at a school so anytime you want to get involved but largely for MISD there's committees to serve on and you know there may or may not be a bond but we're certainly looking for a superintendent and always want the community's feedback on that
0: is the survey online
1: yes ma'am it is it's at misd midland is the website
0: perfect we'll try to get that in audio as well for our our listeners Mm -hmm. um who can't access that so that's great um i have another question for you before we wrap things up okay what are some things that misd are doing well
1: I mean, I think that public education in this community um, has 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 been on a downward trajectory for a while. And one of the reasons that I ran, I'm sending I'm sending my kids to public school. I don't want to be a complainer. I want to be part of a solution. Um, I think we are turning that ship around and are starting to trend positively. And have some positive academic outcomes. I do think, for the most part. We create a environment where students um, are eager to learn and teachers want to teach, and I think we have built um, Midland's very good about. You know, we're we're kind of isolated geographically, and so we're very much this pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and so we do a lot of pouring in, and hey, you're not going to do it better than us, and so I think for um, education, we've begun to see that need and the demographic of our community is changing i think the chamber said that the average age of a midlander now is 34 years old i think oftentimes midland is still seen or considered as kind of an older mm-hmm. community um but you know i think the boom in oil and gas and and that's not a transient job anymore these people are here to they're coming and they're staying and they're living here and building families and building um lives here and so um, I think that Midland, can, Midland ISD can continue to provide a quality education and give students the opportunity not just for college-ready, but we want to make sure that kids are career-ready if they're going to do CDL or welding or plumbing or electrician and military. I mean CCMR is college, career, and military readiness. And so um, we want them to be able to go out into the world and be as best equipped for life as, you know, as they can be
0: excellent and just touching back on the bond if there if there is a bond soon for facilities would that money be used strictly to build a new facility or would that also that money be used to help create that synergy with internally? If yeah, any A. and all.
1: Uh, it depends on, you know, what the bond committee comes up with, how big's the bond. I mean, how much do you want to bite off in that first bite? The most dangerous thing for this community in my mind is to put out another bond and have it fail. I think it sets you back. And so the first priority is a superintendent. You're not going to go out for a bond before you get a superintendent. So I think you're a couple of years away from probably seeing. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's just me speculative. That would be my preference. Um, and so you need to take that time to really make sure that the, that it's, that the bond you put out there is palatable for the community and that they're behind it and going to pass it. Cause I think there is community wide consensus for facility needs. I think everyone sees that it's the needs, not once. And how big is too big early on? And so we have got to create a plan that's, you know, we're going to do whatever this year. But two years later, we're going to come back and do something else and show a staggered plan Um so it's not that one big number that really, you know, catches people's attention. Yeah. It feels like it's much more manageable. Um, but I think it'll be any and all just depending on kind of what the bond what the bond committee comes up with and what they bring to the board for approval and then what what that board takes to the voters.
0: Excellent. And then I have just a fun question. If you were to receive one million dollars in a grant and it comes with some staff, um what would you use that for?
1: Well, I'm kind of fortunate to be living that out. I mean, you know, the literacy coalition, which I run is only about 18 months old and is funded by philanthropy locally. And so I certainly think I would be doing something if this was supposed to be my job, this million dollar grant with staff would do, would definitely be doing something in, in the literacy and, and education realm. Uh, want to, want to enact positive change for a community. Feel like you left your mark, mm-hmm. you know, feel like you, you left it better than you found it made it made a difference in someone's life um and valued and like f- was fulfilled by that work you know it'd be fun to I think it'd be fun to be a foundation. You and I work in nonprofits, so we're always going to those people for funding. It'd be fun to be on the other end. Like mm-hmm. if you were independently wealthy, and to be able to kind of give to all the organizations right. that you want to give to, that would be a, a lot of fun as well. I could spend it for sure. We'd get that million dollars spent. Oh, definitely.
0: Spent. Yeah. <laughs> I've already got a plan. <laughs> Excellent. Well, John, you were congratulations. By the way, you were just endorsed by the Permian Basin Board of Realtors. I was.
1: Yes, I'm very honored to receive that endorsement. Those Realtors know this community and understand the the impact of of good quality education when it comes to home values, and they certainly get bond and how it affects your your home taxes. And so, yeah, I was very fortunate to receive that endorsement. And Mayor Payton endorsed me as well. Excellent. Um, so, very, you know. Honored and humbled to receive that endorsement. So, you know, it's just about getting out the vote. We just, you know, regardless of how you're going to vote, it's important to go vote. And so,
0: um, hopefully
1: people will get out there.
0: Early voting is
1: starts next Monday. Well, we're going to, we're doing this interview on a Tuesday. So it starts Monday, the 24th Mm -hmm. and then it runs for two weeks and then election day is Tuesday, October, uh, November 8th.
0: So make sure you get to the polls in the next couple of weeks and uh, vote for your District 5 representative for Midland Independent School District. John, thank you for joining us today. If you can, please let people know how they can find you.
1: So, uh, T for Midland, uh, most people call me Mr. T, uh, because Triscetti's a bit much. So T for Midland on Facebook. Um, my, uh, I have, I do have a, since I'm a current trustee, I do have a district email address that they can find online, but it's john.truschetti at midlandisd.net. Um, uh, be happy to reach out and visit with people via email or message or however they're most comfortable doing so.
0: Excellent. Well, best of luck. Thank you so and much for having me. Yeah. It's always good to see you. Yeah. Thank you. Tall City Elections is a nonpartisan and unbiased community project of the League of Women Voters of Midland and the Recording Library of West Texas. The League of Women Voters and the Recording Library do not endorse, support, or oppose any candidates for office or a political party. All candidates for office are invited to participate in this project.